0: So today we're looking at Mark chapter 7 verses 1 to 23, the parable of clean and unclean, tradition versus God's word. We'll hear from Jesus' teaching about what makes a person unclean and unable to fellowship with God, what makes a person clean, able to fellowship with God, why it was a big deal for people then and why it's a big deal for us now. Let me just pray first. Lord, open our eyes to the truth of your word. Let us better understand how to approach you, how to be with you and how to live for you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 7, verse 1. It will also come up on the screen. This is a fairly big chunk of scripture, so we're going to break it down bit by bit, go through it under three main headings of tradition versus God's word, external versus internal, and the law versus Jesus, the fulfillment of the law. So let's read. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? The Pharisees' question to Jesus was fighting talk. As religious leaders of influence, they had their own religious and political agendas, and they were trying to undermine Jesus' teaching as being rebellious against God. The tradition of the elders that they're talking about were the man-made laws that had been established over centuries up to that time. These purity laws originated in priestly practices of washing hands and feet before entering the tabernacle, the place where people would offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. It was holy ground. They had to be clean so that their offerings were acceptable to God. The Pharisees' intention was to apply these laws to sacrifice, to sanctify rather, the ordinary acts of life for the priesthood of all believers, all the other Jews who weren't actual priests. These rituals progressed from priests washing before entering the tabernacle, to the washing of hands before morning morning prayers, to washing of hands before eating bread. All this in a bid to emulate the practice of coming to God as clean or pure. David E. Garland said, They believed that uncleanness belonged to the realm of death and demons and that it broke fellowship with God. Perhaps this is where the saying, cleanliness is next to godliness, came from. The system believed that uncleanness was transferable to and through people, objects, clothing and even houses by touching, lying, sitting or overhang. Being in an unclean house for instance would make a person unclean. It's no wonder that they picked up on Jesus' disciples not heeding to the traditions and why they had such a problem with Jesus who hung out with all kinds of people in all kinds of places. The Pharisees picked the fight but Jesus ends it. Let's read on from verse six. And he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honour your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you've gained from me is korban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down and many such things you do. Boom, Jesus didn't pull any punches. Here we can see tradition versus God's word. He calls them out as hypocrites, accusing them of worshiping God without having a heart for God, holding true to their own traditions rather than holding true to God's commands. The example he gives rams the point home. Declaring korban was the setting aside of property or goods as belonging to the temple as a sacrifice to God. The person declaring korban didn't actually have to give those belongings to the temple, but could keep them in their possession. However, as those things technically belonged to the temple, they couldn't be given to anyone else, like elderly parents who might need some support. It was a disgraceful example of a legal loophole which totally undermined God's word through Moses to honour your father and mother. There are lots of ways in which we are tempted to, or happy to, abide by laws and customs rather than do the more challenging thing of having integrity before God. Sometimes it's a conscious decision and sometimes it's a compromise, because we don't want to take a hard line on something. Years ago, when my eldest daughter was a toddler, um, I was driving us both home one day. As we slowed in a line of traffic up to a giveaway point, the car behind us banged into us. We heard a bang, but hardly moved. I pulled in and got out to see the damage and exchange insurance details with the other driver. I could see we had a slight ding in our bumper and there was a lot more damage to his car. After my insurers had dealt with his, they called me to say that he'd accepted fault and would pay for the damage to our car. Great, sorted. Then they told me there was money set aside as part of the claim for the distress caused to myself and Ruby. They said this money was rightfully mine and it would be a waste not to claim it. We're talking hundreds of pounds. Sounds fantastic. I thought, sign me up. I told them that would be great and I'd accept it. Then they told me that they needed to ask me a few questions to fill in the form for that part of the claim did you feel any pain in your neck or your back anywhere? Then I began to sense where this was going. And it became clear I had a choice to make, wriggle through this loophole or hold true to God's word in Proverbs that says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. I answered the insurer, "No." Maybe you didn't feel a pain at the time, but it was a gradual pain later on? No. Maybe there's a bit of an ache? No. What about your daughter? Was she upset at the time? No. It actually got to the point where I was annoyed and had to categorically say, look, we suffered no ill effects at all. Please just put in the claim for the damage to the car only. It would have been so easy to give in and feign some sort of issue so that we could have benefited from the payout. And it would have been perfectly legal, but it wouldn't have lined up with the word of God. Can you think of an example in your own life where you've been tempted to give priority to your traditions, customs, cultures, or even laws that might go against God's word? a way in which you've interpreted scripture to suit your own ends, but actually missed the point. We must prioritize the word of God and hold true to that. In the next part of this passage, Jesus moves on to address the question of defilement or being unclean, redefining exactly what hinders fellowship with God. Let's read on from verse 14. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. I don't know about you, but I've never seen anywhere apart from this story where Jesus talks about poop. Mark's reference here to Jesus declaring all foods clean is talking about all of the various laws the Jews had over foods they couldn't eat as they were considered unclean. Jesus disregarded those laws by stating that nothing external going into someone can make them clean before God. The disciples had difficulty understanding at that time, of course, because it wasn't until Jesus had ascended to heaven... After Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, after Peter had the vision about the food laws and the Gentiles, when the gospel was brought more fully to the Gentiles, that they then began to understand it was more about what's on the inside. Let's read on from verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Here Jesus is talking about the external versus the internal. He's spelling out to his disciples that what's in people's heart is what defines them as clean or unclean, not external physical things. Tom Wright in his Mark for Everyone commentary explains, Good and bad, external and physical actions come from internal spiritual sources and that therefore the poisoned wells of human motivation are the real problem to which the purity laws point. In other words, the purity laws were on the right track with their idea of making people fit to fellowship with God, but they didn't address the literal heart of the matter. What's in our hearts can be like poison in a well that infects the water that is drawn out of it. Have a look at these two bottles of water. In a heat wave, which would you rather drink from? I'm guessing the bottle on the right, as it's definitely in better shape than the one on the left. What if I told you that the bottle on the left with the battered, worn, dirty outside is filled with fresh mineral water and the pristine bottle on the right is filled with distilled malt vinegar? Now, which one would you rather drink from? It's kind of a no-brainer, right? Obviously, the dishevelled-looking, slightly dirty outside of the bottle on the left doesn't contaminate the water inside it. The liquid in the bottle on the right, however, is rank, and you wouldn't want to even sip it. The bottles, of course, represent Jesus' view of external and internal uncleanness, demonstrating that obviously the internal, what's in someone's heart, is what actually makes a person unclean. Some of the things that Jesus lists, although originating in the heart, may be expressed outwardly, but most may never be seen by others. Think of the saying I mentioned earlier, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's our human idea that if things look clean and perfect, they're acceptable. We're good enough to be loved and that's what we want to aim for. We see so many examples around us where people represent themselves outwardly as one way but there's something entirely different going on internally. We see this all around us and we also buy into this in many sometimes obvious and sometimes subtle ways. Social media is an obvious one. There are so many examples of people presenting themselves in a polished way, using filters to enhance or perfect their appearance. Their faces and bodies look flawless. Their social lives look exciting and fun. And if they have partners or children, they always look so happy together. Now, obviously, nobody's going to post photos of their spots or bad hair or bloated stomach. They won't post videos of arguments with family members. Nobody's going to post how lonely or low they're feeling. And that makes sense. That might be too much information and make them vulnerable to criticism. But when we accept this idea of presenting only what's perceived as perfect or presentable, in real life we end up concerning ourselves way too much with the external way too much with what we think other people think of us, trying hard to please or impress others, and often neglecting what's actually going on in our hearts and trying to please God. In this passage, Jesus challenges everyone to a deeper purity, purity of motive, purity of the heart. In Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 34, Jesus answers someone's question of which is the most important commandment. The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Put simply, one God, love God, love your neighbor. The person who posed the question to Jesus replied to Jesus' answer. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart And with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. The man understood what Jesus was saying. I used to be a primary school teacher for years, and these occasions of a student having a light bulb moment when they suddenly understand and then they demonstrate the depth of their understanding by repeating back what you've said and adding to it with their own thoughts are golden. That's when I would point and shout and say, Yes, you've got it, that's it. Jesus replies, When Jesus saw, he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Mic drop, there's literally nothing else to say. The man recognised what Jesus had been saying, that God's law of love at the heart of all you say or do is far more important than following outward rituals or traditions. Let's look at the law versus Jesus, the fulfillment of the law. Donald English in the message of Mark says, ceremonial laws will be brought to an end for Jesus' death will provide the secret of forgiveness, cleansing, and purity. The social regulations will no longer apply because God's people will be newly constituted, not according to physical birth, but by new birth through the Spirit's action in response to faith in Christ. The moral laws will receive new depth as Jesus reveals their original intention in terms more of inner attitude than outward standards. The laws at that time were no longer necessary because Jesus had come. Like signposts for a destination that's been reached, they're no longer necessary because they were correct. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. In this day and age, we don't have to live under the law because Jesus has already come. If we want to be in relationship with God, all we need to do is put our faith in Jesus as the purest sacrifice who took our place as we can never be pure by ourselves. We can never rid ourselves of impurities in our hearts, no matter how hard we try or whatever we do. Only by accepting Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf and coming to the Father in Jesus' name, can we be made righteous, right with God, and then have a relationship with him. Jesus gave everything. We bring nothing. Uh, You'll see on the screen now a picture of me in New York. I recently went there to Long Island to attend my friend's wedding. She lives in England, but is from Long Island, and her mum and siblings are still over there. We stayed at her mum's house where my friend grew up so it was great to be hosted by her family and hear so many stories of their upbringing and how they came to be where they are. When I arrived, my friend and her f- fiancé excuse me, picked me up at the airport. They refused my offer to pay for the $20 parking. When I arrived at the house, her mum welcomed me and offered me food she'd prepared. My friend took me to the room that they've given me for the week and there was a welcome basket which her niece had prepared um, with manner of useful and really sweet, thoughtful gifts. Her mum works for a charity shop and she stores loads of excess stock in her house. So she trawled through it for clothes that I might like to take home. I chose so many things that I needed a suitcase, and she even gave me one of those so I didn't have to buy one. I offered to make a donation to the shop, and she refused, insisting that I was doing her a favour by taking some of the stock. The next morning they took me to breakfast, their treat, as I'd come all that way. I was given access to all the food and drinks in the house and told to treat it as my own. Meals were prepared for me and when I offered to pay for some groceries, I was turned down. I mentioned to my friend that I wanted to write a thank you card for her mum and put some money in it. And she told me not to give her any money as she'd be highly insulted. Eventually, I relaxed and found a way (laughs) found myself being simply one of the family. Pitching in to help set up the house for the wedding, scrubbing tables, loading drinks and ice into the coolers, putting chairs out and gazebos up, I continually said thank you and genuinely enjoyed it all. If I'd have contributed with money or arrangements, I'd have felt like a paying guest and not like one of the family. That's what it's like with Jesus. He's done everything for us. Every provision has been made. There's no contribution required from us. We can simply be grateful and enjoy it. When we're grateful and a part of the family, it motivates us to pitch in where we can. Our pitching in isn't required or necessary, but just what we want to do, because we love being part of the family. We're already accepted. All we need to do is come to him and he does everything else. The more time we spend with him, the more we receive his goodness, the more we will be like him. Those things in our heart, that we know aren't right, He cleanses us from them. There may be some of the things on that list that are in your heart. You may consider yourself to be unclean, not good enough, not worthy to approach God. It may be there are some things in your heart that you want to keep hidden because you know that somehow they're not acceptable to God. They prevent you from really giving yourself to Him. Roy Pearson said cleanliness is not next to godliness, dirt is. Dirt, pain, sorrow, prejudice, injustice and treachery. The good news is that there is hope in Jesus. He came for the sinners, those with that list of stuff in their hearts. He came for the sick, the poor, the despised, and the despicable. He gave his very life because we would never have been pure enough to come to the Father without the sacrifice of the Son, the perfect Lamb who took away the sins of the world. Jesus gave everything. We bring nothing. We're going to take an opportunity now to pray. And it might be that you present yourself as the happiest person in the world, but earlier on, you might have been having a full-blown argument or struggling with anxiety or feeling low. Ask God to change your focus to want to please Him rather than impress people. You might be feeling overwhelmed with pressure to present yourself and your life as acceptable, but possibly you're unable to keep it together. You don't have to have it all together. We're all imperfect before God. Ask him to give you the humility to seek help where you need it and to give your cares and concerns to him. Give him responsibility. You might not have realised that you have no need to try and be good or perfect or acceptable. You might never have understood that Jesus took your place and that all you need to do is bring all your mess and your dirt. Just bring yourself with all the issues you have. You can accept his sacrifice today. You can come to him today and put your faith in him and ask him to come into your heart and make you new. Let's pray. Lord, we lift our hearts to you with all of our impurities we lift our lives to you with all of our failings. We know we can't be holy and acceptable by ourselves, so we pray that as we come to you now by the Holy Spirit, you will show us how Jesus washes us and makes us clean. And with faith in him, we are made clean and acceptable to you as a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.